that um, worship was absolutely amazing and uh, such a privilege to be worshiping together again as the saints and um, singing of the goodness and the faithfulness of God is an absolute privilege. Uh, the God who promises to never ever leave us or forsake us is an amazing God. So thank you for joining us here and for the ones online, I want to thank you too. We so appreciate you um, tuning in to us and pray that God will meet you where you are and your family. And um, today is an interesting day for me for, because I've been preparing for this message for a while and an interesting happen, thing happened today uh, while I was going through my message and in a sense meditating on it and so on and uh, I was feeling quite good about it. Um, and then while I was thinking about it and praying about it, I felt God say, you've got to cut it in half. It's, <laughs> it's never ever happened to me before. But, uh, and so that was more of a stress than actually putting it together. But I felt truly that it was God, um, that he wanted to minister to us. We're going to break bread at the end. Um, we're going to worship some more. And we're going to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who's not only the author, but the perfecter of our faith. We'll be looking at that a little bit. And while I was thinking about this, um, 1 Corinthians 2 came into my heart, and that really confirmed it to me. I wasn't particularly thinking of that scripture. But this is what Paul says. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I promised to you to testify about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was, was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear, with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith would not um, rest on men, but on the wisdom and the power of God. I just feel in my, in my heart, in a sense, that we're standing on holy, holy ground. I just sense the presence of Jesus, and God is wanting to do things in our presence tonight and, um, and tomorrow during the services as we move forward. And um, I just wanted to share this a bit of a story and my heart for the church. There's no doubt in my mind that many of us are going through difficult times. Times that have impacted our personal lives our and our nation in many ways. And we see this in the Bible in the life of David, who was a man after God's own heart, and how he faced and coped with dif difficult times. And we only need to read the Psalms to pick this up. He went through many trials and tribulations. And one of those uh, is we find in Psalm 11. It's an interesting um, psalm. It's a psalm of David, and it's only seven verses. But we see in this that David is facing a serious situation. It was so serious that he took advice from his friends, and his friends uh, advice was, you better run. You better flee to the hills. Run, David, run. That's what they were saying. 
And I'm sure that many of us have felt like that, running and fleeing in times, maybe in times like these, as we've gone through trials and tribulations. But that's not how David responded to his friends. This is what he says in Psalm 11 from verse 1 to 4. He starts it like this. It's in the Lord I take refuge. Yahweh is my refuge. And he says to his friends, how can you say to me, flee like a bird to the mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. These must have been crazy times for David. We're not sure, and the commentaries are not sure when this actually happened, but we know that David was constantly facing trials and tribulations, especially um, before his coronation as he was being hounded by the armies of Israel under Saul. And this is his response to that. His response to his friends, in a sense. He says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He absorbs everyone on earth, and he examines them. So instead of looking down, instead of looking at his circumstance, instead of focusing on what he was going through, and where it seemed to be, to David even, that the very foundations of the nation were being destroyed and his very life was at stake. And in the circumstance, he lifts his eyes above his circumstance and sees the Lord seated on the throne. The God of the Bible, the creator of the universe, the God who loved us so much that he gave his one one and only son that whomsoever should believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The God who through Jesus Christ restored our relationship with him for those who believe and repent of their sin. What an amazing God we serve. Instead of running away like his friends told him to, instead of trying to work out his, in his own strength, He runs to God. He lifts his head and chooses to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91, which many scholars believe David had penned himself. In Psalm 121, we see David once again in a dark, rugged, and dangerous place. And once again, he shifts his gaze from his circumstance and focuses on Jesus. And this is the message, church. Many of us are going through trials and tribulations. And the enemy wants to shrink God in our lives. He wants to make God so small and our circumstances so big that we live in fear, condemnation, and discouragement. If I had a penny in my hand or a quarter in my hand, and I stood out and I looked at the sun, if I put that penny right next to my eye and closed the other eye, I could block out the sun. And that's what circumstance does. It causes us to focus on the wrong things. You know worry is a form of meditation. 
We chew it over and over. We go through it backwards and forwards. And we, medica- we meditate on that. And I know there's concern around for people, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. God is wanting us to shine His light in these times. God is also wanting us to, to be conscious of the people around us, to make sure that they're safe. But at the same time, He is seated on the throne. That's what David was saying. He is seated on the throne. We're going to look at some more scriptures on that. He wasn't caught off guard by David's situation. He wasn't caught off guard by this situation we're in. And he can use this, everything that we go through, everything that nations um, go through, he can turn to the good for those who love him and are called according to his promise. These are the times for us not to look down, not to the left, to the right, but to fix our eyes on Jesus. And he's in this dangerous place. And Psalm 121, I won't read the whole scripture, I've cut everything back, but verse 1 to 2, this is what he says. In the midst of the circumstance where the enemy is forcing him, in a sense, to look down, to look at his situation, to look at where he is, this is what he does. I says, I lift my eyes to the hills. I lift my head. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We see this in the life of Isaiah too, an amazing prophet, more than likely one of the greatest, if not the greatest prophet ever to walk the earth. Certainly one of them. And in Isaiah 6.1, he writes this. I'm just going to share the first verse, and then we'll look at a few of the others. But it's interesting what is going on here. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Beautiful scripture. But it's interesting to note, and it's not accident that Isaiah mentions in this context, Uzziah. He was, in one way, maybe mourning for his, the death of his king. And not only that, the tragic way he died. You can go read about that. Uzziah had reigned in Israel for 52 years and was over uh, and oversaw the prosperity and peace of the nation second to the time of Solomon. And at his death, and his death called much uncertainty in the nation. That at this time of prosperity, because at the time, same time that he died, the Assyrians and the Babylonians were starting to flex their muscles and the people were afraid. And in this time of uncertainty, Isaiah chooses to look up, to see God, to hear God. And so I'll start it again, Isaiah 6, and read from verse 1 to 9. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, 
With two they covered their face, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doors and posts and the thresholds shook, and the temple filled with smoke. And as he sees this uh, picture, as he's in the throne room and having this vision of the Lord, of Yahweh, he begins to cry out this, woe is me. He says, woe is me, I cried, for I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew, flew to me, and having a burning coal in his hand, he took it with the tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, Lord, send me. In this encounter, as he's wrestling with the issues in the nation, and as a prophet, he more than likely was seen ahead of what Israel was going to go through. And as he was, in a sense, in this place, mourning the king and the nation, and going through this, in the throne room, as he sees God, as he's reaching out to God, his life is transformed. And he goes from, woe is me, to hear him, I send me. A radical transformation. I think that was the bedrock of his prophetic ministry. In a sense, scholars will say this was when his ministry actually begun, um, begun fully began. So the question we need to ask is, in difficult times, where do you and I go? What is our first response? And I'm talking to myself. Some of us, we say, well, let me check my bank account. Uh, Let me check this. Let me do that. And often those are our first response, and um, there's nothing wrong with doing those. But our first response should always be to see the Lord, to fix our eyes on Him, and out of that, ask Him the strategy. And I'm like that. We know that with Jehoshaphat in Chronicles. Mighty armies were coming against him. He was, uh, the nation was in turmoil, another time where the nation was in turmoil. And in that turmoil, as the armies, uh, the enemies of of Israel are coming against the nation, and he hears this report, the first thing he does is call a fast and inquire of the Lord. And I've often thought of that and shared that sometimes here, is would that have been my first response? If I was the king of the nation, would I not have maybe wanted to find out how many chariots we have, how many foot soldiers, are we able to take this army on? And out of that made a decision. And this amazing king, 
does the exact opposite. He says he calls a fast. It says, the Bible says he calls a fast and he inquires of God. It even gets crazier and God gives him a strategy as the armies are coming against him and his armies are marching towards them. God says, I want you to put the worship team in front. Just with the harps and the tambourines, no chariots, no weapons, no nothing. And just ask them to begin to praise me. And as they go in, they're just simply singing this, singing this, give thank to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And they're just singing that and singing that. And they're march- marching up this mountain and as they get to the top and see into the valley, they see that both armies that were coming against them had actually d- destroyed themselves. They fought amongst themselves. And God gave them the victory. See, God's ways are not our ways. And even in these ways, as we're going through these things and we're praying for our nation and all of these things are going and and for what's going on and so on, it's a time for us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. It's a time for us, church, to inquire of God, to get the strategies of God. God says, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so are my way. My way is higher than yours. But he also says in Isaiah chapter 2, come up to my holy mountain and I will teach you my ways. His ways are not hidden so that we can't find them. His ways are hidden to be found. And he wants us to walk in his ways, the highways of God. In, diff- uh, in difficult times, where do we go? What is our first response? Are we going to trust God in our own strength? Or like David, Isaiah, and John is looking to Jesus, our first response. We see that in the life of many, many people in the Word of God. And I also want to remind us that Hebrews twelve fourteen tells us, uh, 12 verses 1 to 4 tells us that not, it's not only how we start, it's how we finish. And the only way to finish well, the only way to run with perseverance is not by looking to the left or to the right, but to fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're going to read that. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin so, that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And this is how we do it. The only way we can do this, the only way we can run well, is by fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is not only the author, but he's the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, going in a chain, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's an incredible verse, that. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. As a pastor of the church and, and um, 
sharing with so many people in many ways and many people at different places and so on, I can feel and sense a weariness. I can sense that some are starting to lose heart. And that's not God's intent. God's intent is that through the trials and tribulations that we prosper. That we're the ones with the answer. And we need to share that with our friends and others. And we're going to break bread soon. But before we do that, I want to read this beautiful passage in Hebrews chapter 4. It's an amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. And um, talking about the chapter is talking about the Sabbath rest entering into the rest of God it's a beautiful chapter for us to read and study in these times but at the end of this chapter 4 this is what he says the writer says therefore since we have a great high priest who has gone before through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to the faith we profess church this is a time to hold firmly for sure and he says for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin let us then approach throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. We now, because of the new covenant, the greater covenant than the old covenant, are not like these saints of old who had these incredible revelations of Christ and vision. We now, through the new covenant, can come boldly to the throne of grace. We come by grace. It's only Jesus Christ that gives us access into that. But when we come to the throne of grace, we receive mercy. We get what we don't deserve. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And when we're in the throne room with, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and when we're in His presence like that, He gives us more grace to help us in our time of need. Church, we have everything we need in Christ. He is, it's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. And I'd like us to break bread soon, but I'd like the worship team to please come forward. We are going to fix our eyes on Jesus and we're going to worship him and we're going to honor him today. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if the things that you're dealing with um, in your lives and trials and tribulations, all of that, in this time as we worship, I pray that you will come to the throne of grace. I pray that you will open your hands and let go of those, let go of those things. I pray that you will receive the mercy that you don't deserve, 
But in a sense, you do because you're a child of God and he loves you. And in Christ, you've been set free. And as we come out of this, I'm just believing in this place, the presence of God is going to come down. I really felt this this afternoon. I feel, like I said, in a sense, standing on holy ground. And I feel that this is a beginning of a new beginning in Christ. But it's going to take a people that are not detracted to the left or to the right, but we keep our eyes fixed on the prize. Jesus Christ, the King of glory, the creator of the universe, seated on the throne, high and exalted. He is not worried about what's going on in the world. He is in total control. And the crazy thing is, is that he chose us. We didn't even choose him. He chose us for this time. He put us here, time and space, so that through us, men could reach out and find him. For in him we live and move and have our being. And I want to encourage us that we don't fight the wrong battles. Christ is on the throne. In my opinion, because of where, where we live in the days we are do is more than likely of no, of no consequence. But it can offend some people, as yours can and vice versa. Let us humbly come before people and before our God, and let's serve them. Let's love them. It's all very well and easy to put something in a tweet online, but we need to begin to live it. It's not what we say. It's not what. We, it's what we do. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't do what you feel God is telling you to do. But I am saying there are people in this world that God has placed us to touch. And some of them won't think like us. Some of them won't um, look like us. But God loves them. And let's keep the focus on Jesus Christ. I must say one of the things in, in, in the Gospels and the life of Paul and Jesus they focused on the main thing Paul in prison in Rome encourages Timothy to pray for those in authority so we'll go good for them that person who Paul was praying for was Nero but he prayed for him God loves everybody God loves you and God loves me. And I want us to represent Him well. I want us to love everybody. There's no person ever born that was not made in the image of God. These are God's images and God loves it. So can I encourage us to humble ourselves under His mighty hand so that God can lift us up in due course. Because the goal of our faith and the goal is the salvation of our souls. We know that. And God wants that for everybody. God loves the world. And it's amazing. And Jesus is looking after the harvest and we look at the nations in an uproar. And he sees these fields that are ripe unto harvest. People are looking and people are searching answers 
and he says, those fields are right. Can he said, pray. And we are praying for the harvest. Lord, bring the harvest in, bring the harvest in. And Jesus said, I'm not praying for the harvest. It's there. I've prepared it. I'm praying for harvesters. I'm praying for people that will love people in word and deed, that will serve them regardless of, of the race or color or, or gender or anything, that will serve them so that their hearts can be softened to receive the seed of God, the promises of God for their lives. Our vision statement says this, that we're a multicultural community of friends who have been loved, forgiven, and accepted and who want to take what they have to spread to their neighbors and their friends. That's who we are. We've got a beautiful microcosm of tribes and tongues and I've met with many of them and I'm just so overwhelmed at their grace and and some of the conversations that we've had have been absolutely amazing. And I've learned a lot of stuff. It's just so wonderful to see God is bringing, not only bringing people in here and drawing them in, but He's commissioning us. And I think this is a recommission to go to all the world in the authority of Jesus Christ and not make converts but make disciples from all nations we could bow our heads for a moment Father God I thank you for your love for your mercy and your grace Lord thank you Lord God that you loved us so much Lord that whilst we were still sinners, you chose to die for us. And every other sinner in this world, Lord, you chose to do that. You humbled yourself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross, Lord, for our sake. And because you did that, you were exalted to the highest place, Lord. You are seated on the throne, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the King of glory lift up your heads O you gates lift up your heads you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in who is the King of glory the Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle let's worship the Lord